Greetings, future lovers. This is Killstreak, episode 41. I'm Eric Goslin. That hasn't changed yet. I'm always threatening to change it. I've done this bit before. Joining me <laughs> from Austin, Texas, Mike Price. His birthday is just a mere two or three days, was it three or four days two, away? It'll be two days from broadcast. So oh. this drops on a Monday. My birthday's on a Wednesday. Yeah. Happy birthday, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. I don't want to say exactly how old I'm going to be, but I will say that it is the age that is skating the line between my mid-30s and my late 30s. So. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I am firmly in my late 30s now. It's a fucking yeah. bummer. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had a little existential crisis today. Not too big, but I was just like, oh, fuck, I'm old. I mean... <laughs> Do you, you got a kid at least? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have old parents, like a big age difference between you and your parents? Or no? No, my, no my parents are, I think, average to slightly younger than average. I want to say that my parents are 26 years older than me, 26, 27. Something yeah, like that's that. about what yeah. mine is. Um, so I, re- I remember, oh, I mean, my father's no longer with us, but mm-hmm. he would be. Um, I remember when my dad turned like 35. That was like, you know what I mean? Like I was young yeah, enough. Yeah. I was old enough. That I was like, oh, sure. dad's 35. Mm-hmm. So when I turned like 35, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I can remember. Yeah. I remember yeah. this. I remember my dad's 40th birthday, which is just two years away from me. So that's. I definitely remember my dad's 40th birthday. Yeah, that's definitely a thing. It's also weird to think now. I mean, these are all such arbitrary benchmarks, but I was just saying, oh, yeah, I'm. My parents are 26 years older than me, and I'm like, that's significantly old, like less time than I've been alive, which is mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's like, what is going to be another 15 years or so? And then it'll be like, oh, yeah, my parents and I are much closer in age than we are to someone, you know, just like a, a child, like a young person. Right. <laughs> Dude, you know what's a real mind fuck for me? Mm-hmm. Um, this is, you know, a bummer, but whatever. Hey, we, we, <laughs> cover all bases here on kill streak yeah uh, i'm only 14 years younger than my dad when he passed away jesus <laughs> is that crazy like that uh, is that is crazy <laughs> um whew. yeah well uh yeah i don't really have much to say about that. no no i mean and nor should you unless you I, were behind it somehow i i know but i want i just want to make it clear that i have been and continue to be sorry that your dad is dead oh it's you know hey it happened I was 23, 38 now. You do the yeah. math. I'm not going to. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> we're here today to talk about Ginger Dead Man in an episode that man. promises to be longer than the actual movie. There's that is the kill no streak guarantee. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It is, usually, it is almost always the case. Uh, I don't know that we've ever not done that, but this one is a total slam dunk. Yeah. <laughs> but first, yeah. Uh, before we get into uh, our blood and guts check on Ginger Dead Man, we got a little bit of business to take care of up top. We do. Uh, We have a couple voicemails uh, that came in after our last two episodes that I wanted to play. Um, And uh, both of them are from Josh Stewart, the trivia grandmaster himself. Uh, The one true fan. Um, Yes, he is... (laughs) He's a soup. He is the Killstreak super fan. Um, <laughs> we certainly appreciate it. Um, 
we do have open slots for one or two other super fans. So if you guys are interested in stepping up to the plate, uh, there's room on the prom. Uh, what what do they call it? What's the all the people who are prom? It's not just prom king, but oh, prom I don't court. know. There's the room on court? the prom court. That's what I was going to Never say. Never heard that. Uh, it would have been a funny little joke if I'd gotten it out right. Hey, real quick, though, before mm-hmm. you do, I just saw that the person who plays the ginger dead man's mom in the movie is named E.D. Biddlecombe. Anyway. <laughs> We're not there yet, Eric. I know. I'm just looking at, <laughs> looking at the IMDb. Okay. Uh, here we go. Uh, voicemail number one. Hey guys, Josh Stewart here. Figured I'd call in since you just finished covering my favorite series in all of media, The Evil Dead, and I have read all the books and played the games and done all that shit, so I know way too much about it. Uh, I will say I have no idea what other movies use the upside-down drone shot, but it is beautiful. I wanted to talk about Ash as a character, though. You guys questioned like him saying groovy in Evil Dead 2, and the only reason he did that is because Sam Raimi wanted him to sound like a dork, because he like has this weird hatred of Ash, and it was not cool to stay groovy in the 80s anymore. But unfortunately, uh, Bruce is cool, and he stuck the fucking landing, so we got a classic line that he used in two movies. Uh, other than that... His deterioration into a total piece of shit is fascinating to me. Uh, I don't do the fan theory thing, but if you pay attention to just, like, the little things along the way, you know, he's in the Necronomicon prophesied as, you know, this demon slayer, and that's all he's good at. He's good at murdering fucking deadites anytime one comes up. Otherwise, he's a miserable piece of shit who's living in a trailer in his 60s. Uh, and he can't do anything else right, and I think that's kind of hysterical. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, uh, Josh with some very apt thoughts and, and a little bit of trivia about uh, Bruce Campbell's Ash. I did not know that, that, that Groovy was supposed to be a dumb line then. Yeah, uh, I didn't really get that either. I guess it need, you kind of need the context of like what the word right. Groovy meant in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, that's fun. I, I mean, when I first saw it would in what would have been like the mid nineties, to me it felt uh like it was ironically cool. And yeah. Yeah. So this does put a little bit of a spin on it. So that's good to know. Uh and yeah, definitely like Josh said, it's funny, the more you think about it, the more you realize, oh, was Ash ever really supposed to be cool, or is Bruce Campbell just too cool for his own good? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then we have a second voicemail from Josh. Let's listen to this one. Hey, guys, Josh Stewart here again. I know you just heard from me, but you did put some questions out to the listeners, and I've got fucking answers. I watched that remake of Cabin Fever, and it was dog shit. It cost like five bucks to make. They said it was pretty much an experiment. Nobody in it could really act. All they did was take the original script, switch around uh, how the characters interacted and died, and there was no humor, there was no skill to it. It was just a mess. Uh, As far as bad remakes go, I'm pretty open-minded with remakes. I feel like there's just as many bad original movies as there are remakes and sequels. Uh, They're just not recognizable properties. However, my blood comes to a boil when I think about the remake of The Hitcher, which was just a a complete and total misunderstanding of everything that made the original movie work so well. Uh, However, I don't like dwelling on negativity, so I'm going to counterbalance that with a remake that I really love, and I think that the remake of The Hills Have Eyes is actually better than the original. So how about you guys? I'm putting you a question out there. Uh, Love y'all. Keep up the great work. Keep on streaking. All right. So a a lot in there. He's he's spun it in a positive way. Absolutely. Um, Let's unpack that from the beginning. So we've got, uh, yeah, we were asking about the Cabin Fever remake last time around. And yeah, he confirmed all of my suspicions that that movie is pure trash. That sounds awful. (laughs) That it's not even funny, which is like what made the first one good. 
in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah. Um, man, <laughs> I, uh, I didn't see, uh, the remake of the hitcher, but I think he touched on something that is like absolutely part and parcel with a bad remake, which is just mm-hmm. misunderstanding what made the first one good in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think also, um, yeah, I, I have a, I have a shameful thing to admit, which is I have never seen either version of the Hitcher and I've wanted to see the original for some time now. It's Mm -hmm. just never been convenient for me to watch. Uh, and the timing hasn't been right. So I will see it soon. I promise. And then I won't watch the remake (laughs) because it sounds (laughs) terrible. Why bother? Yeah. Um, but then, uh, yeah, the Hills have eyes. Great call. I actually, because mm-hmm. I don't really like the first movie very much at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, had some fun with the with the remake. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's a very good call for an actual good remake to a movie. Yeah. And I think to Josh's question about what are some good remakes, um, well, I think uh, it's interesting because it actually brings me around to an interview with the director of today's film, Charles Band, that I read. Mm-hmm. Um, he had uh, some pretty brief but insightful things to say about remakes uh, in this interview, which I will recommend. It, it appeared on on the website Complex. Uh, if you guys just Google Charles Band Complex review, it'll mm. pop up. But, um, you know, in a very matter-of-fact way... He talks uh, about remakes a little bit, and he basically just uh, just says, like, hey, you know, sometimes there's a good reason to make a remake, sometimes there isn't. But generally speaking, it's like, yeah, remake a movie if it sucks. But mm-hmm. uh, if it's really good, like, what's the point? Unless you're going to significantly update it or change it in in some profound way. And I think that there are two really easy slam dunk answers for remakes uh worth watching remakes Mm -hmm. that are better than the original and i think both of them fall into that second category of just they're just big time contemporary updates they're move they're remakes of movies that were old enough that it's like well the style that they're made in doesn't even you know doesn't really represent the kind of films that people are interested in watching anymore uh and they're both from two of our favorite directors in the early 80s and i suspect with a little bit of thought you could you could certainly guess. Do you want to? Yeah, I'm uh, going to guess uh, the first one being The Thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Nothing wrong with The Thing from another world. Just, you know, it's an old timey B movie and yeah. his much more modern update hits much harder for modern audiences, even though at this point, you know, that movie is more than 40 years old, I think, <laughs> or almost 40 years old, at least. And I'm struggling with what the other one might be. Why don't you enlighten me? I was. Yeah, I was going to throw out there uh, The Fly. Oh, The Fly. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very similar situation. Um, yeah, both just movies that the originals weren't bad. They It was just like, I, that's the right way to do it. You know, if I, I, I do think that the time seems a little more compressed these days. And it is. Yeah. It is interesting to think, oh, well, if somebody remade a movie from uh, the like 1990, that would be a similar time jump from, you know, the thing from outer space to the thing. Um, but at that time, I think the difference, the, the, the way that, uh, filmmaking changed and the way that the world and, and media changed over the course of those 30 years had a, had a much bigger impact than I think it would have now. Um, um I have a couple modern, well, more modern, uh, one of them is not the blob. Yeah. I think from 1988 is you recommended that to me not too long ago. A great I movie. See that. Yeah. 
um a great remake another uh the new suspiria i really enjoyed um although it's it's kind of i don't know it's a horror film for sure but it's definitely like an art film Mm -hmm. um and then i really liked Zack Snyder's remake of Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> I know, which is funny because you are a diehard fan of the original. Yeah, so. I just had a ton of fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ring, of course, the remake of yeah. Ringu, uh, very mm-hmm. good. And then another George Romero remake that I thought was super solid, and I've been meaning to rewatch it, is The Crazies. I have never seen The Crazies. Um, uh, it's so. a very fun George yeah. Romero movie that's okay. sort of like him, feels like he's almost ripping himself off. Yeah. Uh, oh, Night of the Living Dead, the Tom Savini remake. I really like that. Night, yeah, Night 90. Night 90. Uh, but yeah, yeah the, the the Crazies remake might actually surpass the, the original and it has like Timothy Oliphant mm. in it. Uh, I recommend it. I mean, at least I love, did when I saw Oliphant. it. Yeah. It's been a long time. I'm not well, much of a movie I, rewatcher, I've realized. Um, I only am for movies that I really, really liked. Yeah. I don't. I don't often give movies like hey, I'm gonna off give that a second watch to see like it, it has to be something that I that really impacted me the first time. It has to be like comfort food for me. Yeah, a lot of those. Like I just rewatched um The Breakfast Club on Friday. Sure. Great, great movie. One. Yeah. Some parts. Moments that don't age well. <laughs> I mean John, that's John a, that's a John Hughes signature signature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the character of John Bender really uh does is is not very cool towards claire no uh, straight no. up sexually harasses her mm-hmm. throughout the movie um, St- uh, still, still holds great. up better than 16 candles though oh my god yes yeah, <laughs> that's true uh yeah but anyways let's talk about movies that uh of of unassailable quality mm-hmm. like, like a ginger dead man oh i thought you had, i thought we had one more oh yes that's right thank you for reminding me yes yeah, so josh actually called out um at the beginning of his first voicemail uh continued uh question mark about that inverted drone shot at the beginning of Evil Dead uh-huh and uh, uh like a like an angel coming down from heaven <laughs> um <laughs> uh fan of the podcast friend of the podcast Ross uh I don't know if he wants me to say his last name so I'll bleep it uh so just come <laughs> We'll just call him Ross, mm-hmm. uh, my best man. Um, he texted me and nailed it on the head. It is Midsummer. Oh, oh yeah, okay. There you mm-hmm. go. That's right. A, a very, very similar shot. Uh, maybe almost an identical shot where it's yeah, you're kind of floating above the trees upside down, and then the the shot slowly inverts, and it makes you feel like you're on a roller coaster, and you might. Kind of get a little bit of vertigo at one point. So, yeah, he shouted that one out. And then he also went on a little bit of a rant about uh, he recently watched the Urban Legends movies. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And was just uh, was uh, was not really recommending them for the podcast so much as just saying uh, that he he uh, enjoyed them for their uh, overwhelming 90s-ness. I bet. Yeah. Uh, he apparently the like the student lounge that is the 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 sort of um, location of many scenes in the movie seems to be almost directly copied from Central Perk on Friends. <laughs> uh, and apparently, at one point, someone does an Ernest Austin Powers impression. Oh, that's so. amazing! We got to do that movie. Those movies. 
I don't I think there needs the to be one. one more. I think I, I mean technically we could do a twosome, but I think there's only two. Oh, there's um, only two? Okay. Well let's see, Urban Legend. Um I'm checking it out. Yeah. Sure. While you look that up, uh let's Nope, there's two. There's oh, there's, there's, three, only two. there's two se- no, there's two sequels. There's three oh, of great. them, so all right, let's do that. Do you want to just stop after the Ginger Dead Man and the Urban Legends? For the rest of the month? <laughs> I'm tempted. Let's talk about Ginger Dead Man. Let's talk about it. Okay, cool. Hoo-wee, um, man. What a movie. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, today we are talking about 2006's The Ginger Dead Man, directed by Charles Band and starring Gary Busey as the titular Ginger Dead Man. Yeah. Uh,. How was your viewing experience? It was mystifying <laughs> because I fired it up. <laughs> I fired it up and I was like, oh, this movie's only 72 minutes long. This this is awesome. Yeah. And then uh three minutes of which are opening credits. And yeah. then ten minutes of closing yes. credits. A full ten minutes. It's a clearly very deliberate attempt to just stretch the movie out to what can what could possibly qualify as feature length. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, this movie is barely a fucking movie. I mean <laughs> Oh my god. It's 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 I I was just like astounded through most of it. I mean, and not uh-huh. like in a, like a, the room kind of way where I'm like, wow. Sure. It, like a crazy person made this. Just kind of mm-hmm. just the the cheapness that's on screen, yeah, yeah. and the uh, the Charles Bandness of it just <laughs> emanating sure. from the from its pores. But it's funny because I mean I haven't seen enough Charles Band movies. I think by the time we lay this podcast to rest, I'll probably be singing a different tune. Yeah, uh, because you know he is responsible. For uh, some real uh, legends of the horror uh, genre, specifically long fucking franchises. Yeah. Uh, because one of the Charles Band signatures is never letting a good property die die early. Um, but yeah, I mean, Band is funny because he's a guy who he's been around forever. And, and we'll talk about him a little bit more after we, t- we talk about the movie. But it's like not everything that he's done is bad. I would say no. that all of the movies that he's directed are pretty bad. Yes. Uh, but as a producer, I mean, he's got some classics. It's like, you know, he was a distributor producer on Reanimator and From Beyond and the Ghoulies movies and stuff. So it's like. Yeah. Um, what's the one I, I really like? Uh, uh, Terror Vision. I really sure, like that yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but this movie is, I mean, I think the easiest way to summarize it is it is a movie that exists only to satisfy the bare requirements of saying <laughs> we made a movie. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's, yeah. It, it's not really an artistic statement. Uh, it's not even. I don't know that you could even fairly call it an earnest attempt to entertain. No, it is. It is just an attempt. It, it, my notes, I have multiple notes where I, I landed on a theme. If you asked me to write like a book report on the ginger dead man, the, the recurring theme in the way, like regarding how this movie was made and how it feels is, is like a, uh, a disenchanted teenager 
try just doing the bare minimum to complete an assignment. <laughs> <laughs> it's it is it's just churning out content for content's <laughs> sake. Yes. It's like, well, um, we have to have a product, so right. let's make this movie. Mm-hmm. One of the most mystifying things about this movie, I think, ties directly into why this is uh, ultimately going to be a hilariously bad pick, because we ostensibly wanted to do a franchise that had a holiday tie-in, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, this movie has... No connection, no connection whatsoever to Christmas or the holidays. <laughs> yeah, I know. I didn't even think about that. And I don't know that the other sequels will be because it's like Passion of the Crust. Yeah. I mean, Saturday I guess we could get Cleaver. some we could get some Jesus stuff in there if we're lucky. Uh, by the way, I've uh-huh. doing some searching around uh, uh-huh. after watching this movie. There is technically something called Bunker of Blood Chapter 8 Butcher's Bake Off Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> so like let me let me go through that again. Bunker <laughs> of Blood colon chapter eight uh, colon Butcher's Bake Off colon Hell's Kitchen. A very rare quite a triple colon. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Does involve the ginger dead man. Okay. And there's a short also the um <laughs> called hold on, let me look it up really quick. Uh called uh, the Baker's Dozen, I believe. Okay. Baker's is something like that. That also Gary Busey playing the Ginger Dead Man. Uh huh. We're not covering those because I don't want to. <laughs> We're just doing the mainline Ginger Dead Man movies here, folks. Okay. What is this? I don't know. Maybe the I can be convinced. Collector and his arcane adventures into splatter cinema. Yeah, it is a motion know. comic. It is not a feature film. Oh, thank God. Okay. Thank uh, God. Bunker okay. of Blood is a motion comic. Um, so we don't have to cover it. Great. <laughs> it is almost as long as this movie, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, 70 it, minutes long. Yeah. I'm frantically trying to find uh, find the other. Oh, it's yeah. It's called The Baker's Dozen. And he play, okay. Gary Busey's in it. He plays Millard. Okay. Larry Cedars um, in it. Holy shit, this is just the same cast. Oh. Okay. Whatever. Let's go back. <laughs> All right, let's step back to uh, Ginger Dead Man for a second. Yeah, yeah. So, so, no, 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 it's fine. Um, so I have, like, some questions <laughs> that, that cropped up during my viewing. So we've got, like, let's just, like, hypothetically, let, like, I'm going to... I'm going to pitch you as like a like this movie and I want you to tell me what scenes or general set pieces mm-hmm. or just roughest outline of a plot would logically follow Dude, this concept. Okay? One of my first notes is that this movie barely even explores the premise. Okay. okay but continue. <laughs> yeah. So like the log line Pretty straightforward, right? Uh, it's essentially like um, child's play. Yeah, it's right? child's play. Basically. It's child's play, but with a gingerbread man instead of a child's doll. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got a killer, Millard Findelmeyer, played by Gary Busey, mm-hmm. uh, kills half this girl's family, gets executed, is cremated, and then 
This is what it says on Wikipedia, and I'm going to go, like, this is the thing, is, like, the Wikipedia synopsis makes exponentially more sense than the actual movie. Yeah. Like, it's doing too much work for the movie. Yeah. This is, this is how it reads. It says, after the execution, Findelmeyer is cremated, and his ashes are sent to his mother, a witch who mixes the ashes with gingerbread spice mix. Is that what Gary Busey says? At one point, he says, my mother is something, and I couldn't tell what he was saying. I think so. But, oh. you, I mean, you're on, you're, you're, you're on something very important here, which, that's not a scene in the movie. No, that is not. <laughs> I wish it was. It would make a ton more sense. We never meet his mother. We see a woman in a cloak walking away from behind briefly, right? <laughs> yes, we do. Oh, my God, yeah, yeah, that makes sense then. I think that's supposed to be his witch mother. Uh, um, there's no explanation and there's no logical through line to follow in terms of how, even if we completely suspend our disbelief and accept magic into the reality of this movie, they still don't try to explain how he comes to exist. No. Um, <laughs> like there, there's this whole thing with like an electrical incident and it's kind of like a Frankenstein-esque lightning bolt almost. Yeah, yeah. That I guess I'm supposed to think is like what animates him. But then much earlier we have a hand emerging from the dough, the dough. as it's being mixed. I got to so, talk to you about the dough too. Okay. <laughs> because I've worked on many, many baking shows. Uh-huh. You, you, you are a cook. Yeah, uh, gingerbread dough. That is just bread dough. What they're using, not gingerbread. It is white. It is white. Not only is it regular white bread dough, but it is so wildly overexposed to yeah. the camera <laughs> that it looks like Wonder Bread dough. Yeah, like they are mixing something <laughs> that is pure white. Yeah, <laughs> gingerbread dough is like crumbly and uh-huh. and um. The color brown. of gingerbread, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's fucking brown, not white. Oh, <laughs> uh, it drove me insane. Uh, so to touch on something you asked, okay, mm-hmm. you pitched me this movie a killer is resurrected, yeah, in a gingerbread man. What yeah. scenes would you expect to have in this movie? And I'd yeah. say there has to be a scene where somebody is delivered a gingerbread man in a box. Uh-huh. Yeah. They open up the box and the gingerbread uh-huh. man kills him. Kills them. Sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That would probably happen. Then uh yeah. then somebody else finds him. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. this little gingerbread man. Oh, somebody must have left this. My sweetie <laughs> must have left this for Christmas. Uh-huh. Again, yeah. Christmas. I would have incorporated Christmas. I probably would have used Christmas, yeah, as a as a theme. <laughs> and they would like they never use the gingerbread man's gingerbreadness. Yeah. There's no gingerbread house in this movie. Right. Um, there's no children in this movie. Right. Barely. Yeah. Um, there's like some at the very end. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. But like there's not- right. Um, what else? He <laughs> like he has all these little um like uh like I'll give I'll give it to this movie for having some dumb one liners and stuff, like gingerbready puns. Yeah. Um but there is he has no powers or uh he doesn't kill anyone in any way that is like cookie related or no. um it's literally just like he's just a little slasher once he comes to life. <laughs> um, 
Uh. I, I, I also want to, I just want to call out that like this other thing about like the scenes you would expect to see to go back to this theme of like doing the bare minimum to minimum to fulfill an assignment. Like the script of this movie feels like the writer was told that he had to write about a ginger dead man. Uh huh. And he rolled his eyes like fucking Paul Rudd in wet, hot American summer. And he was like, Ugh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and instead he just decided to write about anything else he possibly could mm-hmm. instead of the story of a ginger dead man. There are so many scenes with long dialogue that is not about the movie's plot. No, there's um. no, there's so much that has nothing to do with the plot happening. It's all just like, do you remember when uh, we, you, you know, we were six years old and I had a crush on you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like a love story going on behind, like in between yeah. walking from one room to another. Because that's the other thing; it all takes place in this bakery. And one they just location. Walk from yeah. one room to another. The entire movie. Yeah, um, and I think that like these stories, like you talk about, there's a love story in this movie, but it is this is one of the worst illustrations I've ever seen of how you should not you should show and not tell. Yeah, it's literally like cinematically we see almost nothing unfold of consequence, <laughs> but we listen to long static. Long pieces of dialogue delivered in static shots yeah. from one bad actor to another. To another, yeah. To just, like, tell a story. And it's like, you're making a movie. Show the story. Don't have someone stand in a static shot and just tell a story. While somebody was just knifed by a ginger dead man <laughs> in, who's around somewhere. They're just, yeah. like, stopping and having full mm-hmm. conversation. It's infuriating yeah um yeah this is um it's almost hard to call this filmmaking um (laughs) also to be clear it is not film it is digital video and it was shot before the advent clearly of 4k digital cameras yeah they just decided not to pay for one because it looks like i would say that and I and I say this with all necessary modesty. I sh- I had a fiasco on my film two project when I was in college. This would have been two years prior to this film, mm-hmm. two thousand four. I lost all the film that I shot and had to reshoot my film on the fly with uh, a digital camera that was uh, gifted to me and wielded by your co-director, Adam Dio. Oh, sure. Um, Yeah, so he actually shot the digital remake for me. And I guarantee you that the literally just the visual quality of that film was was vastly superior to this. Um, It looks like it's like I watched it on Tubi. I know you did, too. I did. Tubi, you know, there's some good stuff on Tubi, including another Yeti love story, Life on the Streets. Mm -hmm. My movie who that I co-directed with the aforementioned Adam Dio. Uh, This looked like a fucking Sega CD cut scene. Like (laughs) the call, the the streaming quality. Yeah. It's looked awful. Yeah. What's that word that they use? There's some artifacting. Yes, uh, for sure. It's like. 
Yeah, you say Sega CD. It reminds me. Do you remember when Real Player was a thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure do. <laughs> yeah, we only watched um, just good wholesome content. Yeah, on only Real downloaded Player. wholesome vids off of LimeWire on yeah. Real. <laughs> yeah, but it Real like video. I was like, yeah, I haven't seen this whatever fucking codec they used on this movie. Like, yeah, I, I, like I haven't seen since the real player. Days. Suddenly, I'm, suddenly I'm in my dorm room downloading. <laughs> I deep throat videos. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Classic. Um, <laughs> true to the title. Um, yeah. anyways, certainly did. Uh, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Charles band. He's an interesting guy. Um, he is the director of this movie. We mentioned before, he's almost as well known as a producer. Um, so originally, he's a guy he has been around since the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, and he first founded Empire Pictures in 1983. Uh, it was a theatrical distribution company um, that basically just really existed to try to take advantage of the coming VHS home video boom and, and take advantage. They did. Um, so they produced some movies. They also just picked up and distributed other movies. Um, that would be the case with something like reanimator or ghoulies. Um, but you know, they got it out into the markets. They made a lot of money off of them. Eventually, uh, Charles Band purchased a 12th century castle in Italy uh, for, <laughs> and bought Dino De Laurentiis' production company for $20 million. Like, he was making money in the 80s and wow. spend, spending it, too. And eventually, that company went bankrupt, uh, but not before they produced, uh, we mentioned From Beyond, Dolls, uh, Robot Jocks was a popular cult oh, film yeah. that they made. Um, yeah, a lot of fun stuff, a lot of movies that you would see show up, uh, you know, on a podcast like this one day, maybe. Um, but anyways, Empire goes out of business and he starts up his next company, which is called Full Moon Features now. I think at the time it was Full Moon Films or Full Moon Pictures, but, uh, this is where he really got to cranking out just movie after movie after movie. So, like, initially he was, you know, a, a producer distributor, like, trying to make movies, trying to make some good movies, trying to make some cheap movies. And then eventually I, he stumbled upon a formula, and I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. It is just just on the right side of creating content for content's sake. Right. Right. Uh, so you've got things like the Puppet Master series, which, oh man, Puppet Master, I want to say, has something like 13? So uh, let's see. Uh, Puppet Master has 10 sequels, a reboot, and a demonic toys crossover. So yeah, that is 13 movies, I think. And then also an upcoming spinoff. Um, so, and and that's just one. You know, clear, got a clear bunch your of calendars these. for that. We'll be pumping out <laughs> daily episodes to cover those. It'll be a hellish August. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've got the Demonic Toys series. We've got the Doll Man series. Oh, yeah, uh, a couple halfway decent movies in here. Castle Freak is one that I enjoy. 
Uh, you know, that's directed by Stuart Gordon, who we're big fans of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think, I think this is true. I want to say that it is shot at that 12th century Italian castle. That would make sense. That Charles Band purchased. Yeah. Um, so some fun stuff there. Um, I read that, like I said, I read that interview with him. I, I did enjoy it. He's a guy, um, you know, he's almost kind of like a, a modern day Roger Corman. Um, who just kind of lives to perpetuate this cycle of B movies, which, you know, as poor quality as a lot of them are, like I'm, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't really want to watch his movies, but it's nice to know that he's out there making them. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point <laughs> yeah. because same with Corman. Mm-hmm. I don't really, like, I don't, there's other things I could be watching mm-hmm. <laughs> unless I'm doing a podcast on ginger dead man. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm like, I'm glad this stuff exists. I'm glad some people get a kick out of it. They make a lot of money mm-hmm. uh, making toys and, and replicas and stuff. Um, and, you know, in that interview, he does talk a lot about how hard uh, the death of home video really hit them. And I think hit a lot of companies like his. Uh, they kind of barely stayed afloat in the time between really, you know, the dissolution of, of the blockbuster video and yeah. then the the real surge in streaming, right? And they managed to hitch their wagon to Amazon Prime pretty early, and that really helped them stay afloat. Um, but he's mentioned it in a couple different interviews that, like, they're still able to make money, but things are not the same as they used to be. You know, the margins that you could make producing stuff that was going out to VHS, right? Like you could make some money doing that, Mm -hmm. but it's the same thing that we see with musicians in Spotify where it's like, yes, technically you can make money from a Hulu, from an Amazon, from a Netflix for having your movies up there, but it doesn't touch the kinds of margins that they used to get on home video rentals. Right. Right. So it's like, you do start to see, I, I don't know, but I I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that there, but there is this sort of decline in quality, even relative to what their movies used to be like, because, you know, you're just not making what you used to when you make uh, a Killjoy's Psycho Circus or <laughs> 2020's Barbie and Kendra Save the Tiger King. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's really, I thought there's, there's also Barbie and Kendra Storm Era 51. Yeah, that's an older one, I think. Uh, yeah, the Tiger King was pretty topical. That one was made this summer. So, uh, uh, I'm I bel- sure I, with strict COVID regulations. I am sure. They did go track down, I think, one of the people. It's the guy in Tiger King who's missing a leg, I want to say. Oh, holy <laughs> is it, shit. <laughs> is in the movie. So, uh, anyways. Uh, I'm um, at, oh, sorry, I'm looking ahead. Yeah. Part two. Uh-huh. Not Christmas related. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh part let's see, part three. Uh does not appear to be Chris Christmas related. We fucked up. <laughs> we fucked up so so bad. If if well, Jack if Jack Frost just had one extra movie, we yeah. could have done that. <laughs> we were right on the fence and we were like, uh, three, three, two movies, three movies, four movies. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it is what it is. We made our bed. We're going to lie in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's not much more to talk about. This movie is perhaps more so than anything I've ever seen. Clearly shot in the Valley. Um, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, they want us to believe it is Waco, Texas, which I didn't figure out until two thirds of the way through the movie. I was just confused as to why they all kept talking about Waco, Texas, which I assumed <laughs> is where all of the characters grew up and then moved to moved fucking to Burbank? the North Valley from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then finally someone was like, here in Waco. And I was like, wait, this is Waco? No, no, you couldn't. No, not. You couldn't possibly want me to believe that. Um, but yeah, in case you didn't hear last week's episode, the fun story that everybody likes to tell about this movie is that they had uh, a limited budget available for the person to portray the ginger dead man. They had twenty five thousand uh, dollars, and Charles Band. Uh, reached out to Gary Busey's people and said, hey, does Gary want to do this? Fully assuming he would say no. Mm-hmm. Gary Busey being the enigma that is Gary Busey replied, <laughs> sure, I'll do it. Uh, and they had to uh, fulfill a lot of weird writer requests. Uh, he was a bit unpredictable on the set, but overall, apparently pretty professional. Uh, got good. all his stuff done literally a day, uh, which... I mean, wow. in retrospect, I guess makes sense. He's only on camera for one scene. Right. Um, and then the rest of his uh, appearance is just voiceover. And uh, if you told me that they just wrote down the uh, 10 pages of lines for him to say and he banged them all out in three hours in a, an audio booth, I would believe you. So I got to say, too. Uh huh. He's not bad when he's, he's on he's camera. He's he the best part of the movie. <laughs> yeah, he's the best part of the movie for sure. Like, he, yeah, when he says his lines, you're like, wow, okay, this is a guy who knows what he's doing. Right? <laughs> well, the other thing, too, is like, you know, he is cast here to play a psychotic killer. And Gary Busey is weird and unpredictable and uh, tonally works in a role like that. Yeah. He, he honestly, in that opening scene, he crackles with weird energy. Yeah, you know? he does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, yeah, he is the only person in this movie that I would ever expect anyone to have seen or heard of before. There is the guy who plays the, his name is Larry Cedar, who's the guy oh, who, yeah, yeah. who runs the business across the street. Jimmy um, Dean? Yes. He, is, he has a recurring role on Deadwood. Uh, so I did recognize his face, uh, and he is actually he's in the crazies. Uh, you mentioned the the crazies remake. He plays the principal. Oh no! Shit. Uh, of the high school. So that's pretty much it. The lead in this movie is a woman named Robin Sidney who uh, has appeared in numerous Charles Band directed films. Um. Something that I'm interested in seeing resolve towards the end of this month is that she is the lead in both all like most of the Ginger Dead Man movies and the Evil Bong movies as a different character. Oh. <laughs> and wonder... she she appears in Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong credited as both characters. <laughs> oh yeah, she does. Sarah <laughs> Lee and Luann. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that'll be fun, I think. <laughs> Will there ever be nudity? I was expecting, like, in this movie, I was like, there's got to be nudity. Like, it's... Yeah. That's what sells. No. Man. 
I mean, it just seems like that's it's. I would have thought the same thing coming into it, but after watching this movie, I mean, that's just too much effort yeah. than than they're willing to put in. Yeah, you're like right. nudity would require paying someone more, more money, yeah, to be there for a day, and that seems like that would not work on one of these films. Oh Jesus. Uh yeah, I don't know. Do you want to say anything about this movie before um, we get into the recap? Let's, I mean, let's get into the recap. We're going. Uh, we're at this point. If we were watching Ginger Dead Man, we'd only have a half an hour left. Uh, <laughs> In ten minutes, credits. it would be credits. Yeah. So <laughs> let's just launch into this puppy. Okay. Here, I'm going to put this challenge to you and to both of us. I think, based on the amount of stuff that happens in this movie. That we can re- we can complete the recap of the plot in twenty minutes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. All right. So uh, yeah, we're gonna take a break and then we're gonna see what happens after that. Okay. Okay. We see an old diner, Cadillac Jacks. A woman screams. We hear gunshot. She falls dead on the counter. She's shot by Millard Findelmeyer. <laughs> 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 a name that just seems like a hate crime. Uh, <laughs> played by Gary Busey. Yeah, baby. Here he is. Body count one. Uh, we got a family. It's Sarah, her brother, I think Jared or some shit, and her father hiding under the table. Yeah. Well, Millard robs the cash register. I guess he's willing to murder people to rob a diner's cash register. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they're trying to, they want us to just think of him as like a crazed killer. He's not, he's not a criminal who's killing right. because it's part of his job. He's, he's, he's crazy. He kills because he likes it. Yeah. Um, the old man, the father has had enough. He gets up to challenge Millard. Millard shoots him through the heart. Body counts up to two. And uh, as far as we know, this guy doesn't like work here. He's just apparently so bothered by the fact that he's yeah. robbing the cash register and that killing he, people that he's gonna he's going put himself to right in the line of fire. <laughs> unarmed, an unarmed man. It's not like in like um, boogie nights where like the guy in the donut shop that's getting robbed has a gun and right. it goes bad. It's like no, this is just a fucking old man with no gun or body armor <laughs> putting himself in the line of fire. Uh, <laughs> and he's even like, "This ain't right." Um, so then Busey's like. There's somebody in here. I smell something in the air. It smells feminine. And then the, the brother comes out from under the table, tries to talk him down, gets Busey to put the gun on the counter. Yeah. And then uh, Busey pulls, pulls a quick one on him, pulls out a knife, stabs him in the back, kills him. We get uh, we get a bunch of extra stabbing sounds yeah. off, off screen. They cut to his sister cowering, and we just hear like, the same foley stab sound repeated like seven times. <laughs> Body counts up to three. When are you kids going to learn? Uh, so Sarah gets out. Oh, she's crying under the table, and Busey's like smelling the air or something. He's like, Kitty, here, Kitty, let me see you. She stands up. Um, the next time you go to a place, I want you to look for something safe. I, I what the what the fuck does that line mean? It's like <laughs> it, this is a diner. This is a family diner. This, yeah, this isn't like no. a sketchy like place. 
uh, <laughs> I want you to look for something safe, and I'm required to do what my mother always taught me, and that's to finish what I started. I'm not going to kill you, but I have to honor my mother. What the fuck? Which also doesn't make sense. I doesn't. It's not clear what he means by that. No. And yeah. Then he raises the gun. He has like a moment of internal struggle. And then he shoots her. Um. Then we hear some police sirens. Do we see her get shot, or do we just see him fire the gun? Uh, you know, maybe I don't. I don't remember actually. Maybe we just see him fire the gun. So he well, I'm just confused because spoiler, she's alive and well. She's in the fine, next scene. <laughs> and it doesn't say like, oh, you recovered w- well from your yeah. gunshot. So maybe he just fires next to her. I don't really know. We don't know. It's unclear. It, we, it may never be resolved. Or maybe we'll find out in the sequel. I don't think she's in the sequel. <laughs> um, so then we hear some police sirens, uh, some real smoky, real shitty smoky credits. Oh, yeah. I couldn't figure out what they were showing them over. It's like images of maybe cookies being baked. I'm not really I sure. I think so. Yeah, there was some cookie stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and Busey gets fucking... Like his last, the final credit, and Gary Busey as Millard Findelmeyer and the voice of the Ginger Dead Man. Yeah, real thorough credit. <laughs> he was like, "You credit me for both." That's what he said. <laughs> I want both credits. And uh, we get a returner here. Creature effects by John Collar, John Carl Buchler from uh, Yeah Friday, Friday the Thirteenth Part, part Seven, Part Seven. Yeah, yeah. Uh, creature effects, uh, not that good. Not good. Uh, also, I, I've met the production designer before, Elvis Strange. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I've met him before. Uh, uh a- accurate name or, uh... Yes, very okay. accurate. He's, like, has, like, face tattoos and, like, a mohawk and oh. shit. All right. Um, yeah, okay, so, burned, I, okay, <laughs> I was saying to Price that like I have five pages of notes, but it's just because I was so fucking bored watching it. I just like, was like writing whatever. <laughs> okay, so then we're at Belly's Bakery. Sarah's in there. Um, no gunshot wound. No gunshot no wound. Yeah, she holds up an empty bottle of whiskey. It's her mom's uh, story of my life. Then she goes over to like a picture of her brother on the wall. Happy birthday, big brother! I almost forgot. I guess we won't be driving to Dallas to celebrate the big two one. Yeah. Oh, I, I also I for I I didn't mention this, but just in case you're not watching, which you shouldn't, um, the brother just has the shittiest f- frosted tips, but non gelled. So it's that uh-huh. classic like, uh, it's like Pacey season one of Dawson's <laughs> Creek, mm-hmm. where it's like <laughs> he looks kind of like you know Scott Pilgrim. When uh, what's who's the guy? Superman, Brandon Ruth. Yeah, like like all of the veganism goes out of his hair and it just falls flat on his head. It's like <laughs> it's like that with like shitty frosted tips, just like the worst haircut that anybody's ever had. Uh, yeah. yeah, he looks like a fucking doofus. <laughs> um, well, wherever you are up there, I hope they have strippers and Lone Star. Holy shit, there's so much exposition here. Right in in the back room of this fucking uh-huh. bakery, they have pictures of her dead brother and father. Yeah. And news clippings about yeah. Millard Findelmeyer, who's yeah. set to be executed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> the thing is, like, we talked about this up front. Uh, in terms of the plot of the movie, Millard Findelmeyer went on a further killing spree 
was arrested, was then sentenced to die in the electric chair, was executed, cremated, had his ashes sent to his mother, who then baked them into a gingerbread spice mix. Literally none of those things happen in a scene in this movie. That is all just delivered exposition. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so... While we're like hovering over these uh, news clippings, we hear Busey's voice, a line that he didn't say to her on screen. <laughs> I'll get you for this, even from beyond, beyond the grave, because my mama's a... I couldn't understand, and I wrote Richard, Coo- Richard Coosbro. <laughs> That's what it sounded like to me. My mama's a Richard Coosbro. Well, Richard has got to be witch, right? Yeah, witch. What the fuck is Coosbro? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You are finished. Oh, man. Uh, there's a knock at the bakery door. Someone left a box. We see that shadowy figure walking away. Yeah. Um, it's uh, Grandma's gingerbread seasoning. Uh, calm down, Sarah. It's just a delivery person. And then we meet Brick, the other employee there. He's got two tickets to Wrestlepalooza. They're even going to let amateurs wrestle tonight. Mm-hmm. This could be a shot at the big time. That's not how wrestling works. No. Um, and he wants to wrestle. His character is the Butcher Baker. Which is a terrible name. Because mm-hmm. it's like either Butcher Baker Candlestick Maker or that's or just the Butcher. But like Butcher Baker is it's just bad. It doesn't work. And also he uh, might be 140 pounds. And he wants to be a <laughs> professional wrestler. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's like DJ Qualls. <laughs> <laughs> so she wants to test out this new seasoning. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he pours some of the. Wow. They talk wistfully about the dead brother and dad. Oh, OK. Yeah. He's he accidentally slices his wrist. Yeah. So this is more of that shit where it's like all of these. It's just like a nonsensical stew of different things that happen like any one of these could have contributed to the creation of the ginger dead man yeah yeah perfect storm he slices his wrist accidentally and bleeds into the seasoning and then like directly instead of being like oh shit and then getting his hand away from the food right he (laughs) he puts his hand over the gingerbread seasoning and bleeds free, free bleeds into it yes which she can see by the way the one who is you know, Sarah, who is going to make the gingerbread men, the gingerbread cookies, sees this happen, sees the blood go into the box. Yeah. And, and uh, they're anyways. Like, so then we get a shot of like the blood hitting the seasoning. Uh, and then yeah. in the front, there's another employee, Julia. Um, She's like a, a, a Latina, a Latinx a uh, woman who works there. I think Latina is fine. We, I think she's a <laughs> she's she's a cisgendered woman. I, think. <laughs> I don't. I don't you're, assume you're anything. okay. Yeah, you know what? You're right. You're. You don't. Wanna, yeah, I take um, it back. And you know that because she just randomly will throw in like a like oh Dios mio kind of like the yeah basically like the, the bumblebee man from the Simpsons <laughs> level of like cultural sensitivity. Uh, mm. Um. So then she finds out Findelmeyer was executed two days ago. And after they fried him, they cremated him and sent his ashes to his mother in Coonsboro. Oh, okay. So Coonsboro is a witch in Coonsboro. Yeah. Okay. How sick is that? (laughs) So that's like, that's a pretty (laughs) thorough news story that she's reading. Uh 
Yeah. Also, like, I would say a somewhat sensitive topic to just bring up without warning to your coworker whose brother and father were killed by that man. Yeah. And yeah. also, I like, I just love the, the like newspaper article or whatever. It's like, he was executed. He was cremated. And his ashes yeah. were delivered to his mother. <laughs> just putting the pieces together. Yeah. Uh. Um, so, last episode or the episode on Evil Dead, I said, I don't uh-huh. really, sometimes when I'm doing these, I don't really notice the score because I'm just kind of yeah. distracted. I noticed <laughs> the score on this baby. It is oh, yeah. awful, over the it's top. It's real bad. Just like, I'm, I think the signature of a truly bad score for me, there are two things. One, it is clearly made with no actual instruments and usually just one synthesizer, right? Yeah. And this remains true today. It's like, it's just like, oh, it's GarageBand or whatever, but it's like all computer generated. None of it is coming from an actual instrument. So that's that's signature one. Signature two for me of a truly bad score in these movies is I listen to it and immediately it sounds like it's 10 years older than it actually yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. Like this movie came out in 1990 or sorry, 2006. And I would say that the score to me was most reminiscent of I it's like drop dead Fred. It sounds like <laughs> drop dead. Fred. <laughs> wow. Which is a movie from 1991, which had a bad score then. <laughs> um, so then Brick is, uh, he adds that bloody seasoning to the white bread dough. Um, and it just mixes up into the yeah. fucking dough. It looks disgusting. And again, no one even attempted to scoop the bloody seasoning off the top and no. then use the rest. They're just like, nope, blood goes into the dough. It'll cook out, I guess. Yeah. Um. So uh, up at the front, Sarah and Julia are talking, and there's just a lot. They're like, <laughs> there's a lot of sexual tension between them in this scene. Did you notice yeah. that? Yes, I did. Kenda was like, are they going to fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, it does have that tone, doesn't it? Uh, Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, It's a fucking, yeah, I got something on my beard, and Eric was like, you got something on your beard. <laughs> it's a podcast. <laughs> it's a podcast, I know, but I didn't want to look at it. It would have distracted me this entire time. Um, uh, so then, bam, we hear a gunshot. Old mom's out front swigging whiskey and <laughs> shooting her shotgun into the air. Yeah. There's a competing, like, restaurant bakery, I guess, across the street. It, is it even a bakery, though? I guess what not. Is, it's just a restaurant. Yeah, it's just a restaurant. We'll learn later on that there's a lot of bad blood between the owner uh, and and these two. Yeah. <laughs> She's able to shoot the shotgun with such accuracy that mm-hmm. she can shoot the banner down without damaging yeah. the building or the banner or um, the banner. Yeah. Just the ropes. Yeah. And she shoots it down. I think she uses three consecutive shots to uh, first dislodge one corner, then the middle of the banner, and then finally knock the <laughs> other corner of the banner down with a gun from across the street, not a handgun, not a rifle, a shotgun. A shotgun. Yeah. Um, Julie and Sarah talk her down. She's raving about how they're going to try to run them out of town. Uh, it's a statewide chain. Mm-hmm. You and dad built this place from the ground up. There's no way I'm going to let anyone take that away from you. <laughs> the pause was intentional. They didn't give her mm-hmm. a second take. <laughs> 
Meanwhile, the bloody dough starts to move, and a little hand reaches up. It's kind of gross. It's kind of gross. Um, I guess yeah. that's the din- ginger dead man. I guess. It doesn't look like the ginger dead man's hand, though. No, not at all. Cause the it looks like a little baby hand. It does, yeah. Yeah. Um. So then uh, Jimmy Dean, the owner of the place across the street, arrives and yells at Sarah about his banner. Yeah. Uh, in a year, in one year, that restaurant will be open. <laughs> the <laughs> finest eatery around. He yeah. can't have customers looking at some rundown pie shop. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? Why can't uh, they? It'll yeah. take a year for that restaurant to open. Um, and he offers her fifty thousand dollars just to go away. Yeah, uh, and then we meet his daughter, Lorna, Lorna Dean. Yeah. Uh, so fun. Just a real fun thing. Probably the most work anybody put into anything on this entire movie. All of the characters are named after food icons of some kind. I'm so uh, fucking dumb. I didn't even. <laughs> yeah. That together. Sarah is Sarah Lee. Yep. Jimmy Dean. Uh, we're going to meet Amos in a little while. His last name is Cadbury. Right. And then Brick, Brick's last name is Fields, like Mrs. Mrs. Fields. Fields. Yeah, I don't think Julie ever gets a last name because she's a person of color. Why would she Why get a would last she? name? Yeah. Um, so uh, she brags, Lorna brags about how she's a model. She's like a beauty contest winner. She's Miss Pretty Face Waco. That's right. <laughs> Miss Pretty is, Face. Is that Waco. what it is, Miss Pretty Face? Yeah, something like that. I wrote it down yeah. later. Okay, cool. Uh, she goes back inside. Sarah does. Um, brick. Brick's like, I hate that guy. Me too, especially when he's right. She's considering taking that offer. Ever since Dad and Jeremy died, everything's gone to hell. So she cries. Sales are down. Mom's hitting the bottle. Brick is clearly in love with her. I don't know why I noted that because it doesn't pay off. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter at all. Then she lets him go home early to go to Wrestle Palooza. Then she goes out back, needs that gingerbread dough. Um, she has a giant gingerbread man cookie cutter. It's enormous. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's completely like a, nonsensical. It's like a one-year-old, the size of a one-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, well, John Carl said he could only make it this small. And they're like, all right, well, yeah. that, if that's how big the ginger dead man's going to be, then we'll <laughs> get some tinfoil. Let's make this yeah. thing. Uh, she gives it like a mouth with a gumdrop bow tie, which turns into a real bow tie when it's baked, I guess. <laughs> and then she puts it in this huge industrial-sized oven. Which yeah. I, which is just like a, a walk-in f- freezer with red with red lighting. lights in it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, the lights flicker. There's like a power surge, and the fucking ginger dead man starts getting this weird ass face. Uh, Sarah goes up front and finds Lorna releasing rats in the bakery. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah retaliates by throwing a pie in her face. They take the fight to the back room. Lorna throws cookies and shit around. Yeah. Uh, she gets thrown into the uh, the power box, and it surges. That gives the ginger dead man that extra kick he needed. Right, but he was already turning into a human being. In the, like, or not yeah. a human, but like an anthropomorphic cookie. And he had the blood and the ashes, and it's just unclear how any of this happened. But yeah. It, I don't it's know. A, yeah. 
Uh, uh, some really sparks. great special effects here, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Sparks shoot off the ginger dead man. Looks great and convincing. Yeah. And then he starts on fire. Oh, yeah, the train. <laughs> For no reason. Uh, then he rises and laughs. Uh, yeah. And then Amos, our boy Amos is there. Who the fuck is Amos, I wrote? <laughs> he gets zero introduction. He just shows up and, and everyone knows him. So mm-hmm. I guess we're supposed to know him. I also... I, I want to call it. I just I checked on the movie to to watch this again. <laughs> the Ginger Dead Man Rising from the uh-huh. Oven. <laughs> we are currently pacing only. F- we're only moving four and a half minutes faster than the action. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! I got to speed up. <laughs> we're at nineteen and a half minutes, and we are twenty four minutes into the movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 We can do this. Um, uh, he was waiting for Lorna in the car. Um, whatever. The oven blazes. <laughs> the gingerbread man shows his face, but only Lorna sees. She gets freaked out and screams. Uh, they just they take that tray out. Whatever it is, I think you overcooked it. On the contrary, I baked up just fine. Uh, that was more Jack Nicholson than it was Busey. <laughs> <laughs> um. Amos is like, what the hell is that? Well, it sure ain't the Pillsbury fucking Doughboy. Uh, and Sarah recognizes the voice but can't quite place it. I guess it runs off. <laughs> the yeah, and again, man. all of his lines are just one-liners. He doesn't really engage in dialogue with anybody. No. He just kind of throws quips out, which would make sense if you realized that the that Gary Busey was only there for half a day. For half <laughs> Um, Amos has an eyebrow ring. <laughs> now that's the kind of note that people listen to Kill's Joke for. <laughs> I'm not fucking around. That's that's what I want to hear. I want to um, hear about those eyebrow rings. <laughs> so Amos thinks that it's some sort of gag. Lorna is like, no, I think it's black magic. And she tells this super fucking long story about how she and a bunch of friends used a Ouija board and there was a oh little God, girl yeah. ghost who was killed by somebody who cut her up and mailed her parts to different people across the to her family across the country. This is like five minutes long. Yeah, it's, it's legitimately five minutes. She she goes on telling this story that is apropos of almost nothing other than the fact that something supernatural is happening. Yeah, uh, and then so like two weeks later, he's arrested. All of this just to get the line from Amos: "Talk about going postal." <laughs> Do you think that the writer of this movie copied and pasted scenes from another script he wrote to just fill out the length? Oh, I bet he had like three days to write this script. <laughs> um, okay, so Amos still thinks it's a prank, but then he's starting to come around. He's like, hey, if we catch it, maybe we can bring it to Letterman or Leno. How much dough can you make from a taco cookie? Huh? Dough. Cookie. Get it? <laughs> Yeah, we get it, Amos. Um, so then the ginger dead man's like scarfing food in the walk-in. They close it on him, but somehow he gets away. I don't know. Sarah it's goes to call clear. the cops. The phone's dead. Lorna calls her dad for help, and her cell phone dies. Meanwhile, mom wakes up in the back room. Um, she comes out. She hears. She sees the rat. Gets freaked out. 
she gets her other bottle of of Jack Daniels. Yeah, yeah, ja- like down a, from its hiding place. Jack Daniels. <laughs> um, she hears something burp and laugh. It's a ginger dead man, of course. I don't know why I'm being coy here. Sarah, <laughs> hello. Who's in here? She wanders around. She sees the clippings about Millard Findelmeyer. Can't be him. He's long since dead and buried. He died two <laughs> days ago and was cremated. We can't even fucking trust these people to keep track of the like, something that happened. Well, I guess in, in 15 minutes ago, the way this movie mm-hmm. moves. Yeah. Um, then the, you sure about that? The gingerbread man has a knife behind his back. And she thinks but it's hol- like, but the knife is twice as long as his, as he is wide. So he's, he's like hiding it behind its back, but the, <laughs> the whole blade of the knife is just sticking, sticking out behind out. him. Yeah. <laughs> um, she thinks she's hallucinating, but he cuts her finger off. Yeah, she he's like being terrifying and looks terrifying, and she inexplicably tries to like poke his stomach like the Pillsbury, like the Pillsbury Doughboy. Pillsbury Doughboy, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I think. Ever try a lady finger? He slices her finger <laughs> off. Yeah, good one. Um, in the front, they hear her scream. Um, and suddenly Lorna thinks that oh, she's oh yeah they're like what was that. And Lorna's like, maybe it was your little friend. Suddenly, Lorna thinks that Sarah's in on this. They're just <laughs> she's seen the thing. She's she, like, thing. yeah, yeah. They just walk from room to room, having arguments with each other. Yeah. Nobody mm-hmm. leaves. Nobody leaves. Why don't they leave? Well, Amos goes outside and then comes back inside. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> the ginger dead man's talking to his mo- talking to the mom. She recognizes his voice. Uh, Julia finds her. And then the ginger dead man knocks Julia out with a pan and says the classic one-liner, that's going to leave a mark. (laughs) Uh, Amos goes to the car to get his gun. Lorna and Sarah, they're talking about how how long her and Amos has been together because Sarah has a crush on Amos. uh, Mm -hmm. And this movie does not pass the Bechtel test because as soon as the man's out of the room, they're just talking about the man. And how much they like are both in love with him, I guess. Sarah's in Amos. Was was Amos in the room? She he was in the room for the whole witchcraft conversation. Yeah, you're yeah, right. he was. Okay. okay. Uh, and then the the ginger dead man cuts the lights, and Lauren is like, maybe it's the storm or or Sarah. Somebody says it. There's no fucking storm. It's like <laughs> completely still out. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, a cool Burbank night <laughs> <laughs> on Magnolia Avenue. That's what yeah. what it looks like. Yeah. Um, why don't they just leave? I wrote Amos wants to. Okay. So the power's out. Amos comes back. Amos, Amos, Amos. Amos. I'm saying like Tori Amos. Yeah, um, you are. But it's, I think it's like famous Amos. You know? Amos. Yeah. Um, oh, that's probably why he's named Amos. Like famous Amos. Like cookies. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't we, we already said that. Well, I said his last name's Cadbury. Oh, Cadbury. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but it's probably, probably both. Who fucking knows? <laughs> Um, okay anyways so amos wants to get the generator started so he can see and shoot the ginger dead man (laughs) instead of just leaving yeah uh so jimmy lorna's dad pulls up outside he's got a pretty sick car he's got a cool car he sees that like amos's car is there he's like ah lorna i told you not to hang out with that tattooed punk Mm -hmm. amos doesn't have any fucking tattoos yeah Yeah, he just has a fake eyebrow ring (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, yeah. But he's got a sweet necklace. 
Yeah, I mean, he's a good, he's a pretty good dude. So, uh, somehow, Lauren is not there, leaving Amos and Sarah alone. They have like a flirty moment. He has his gun out, and she gets freaked out by it, and he puts it away because it's making her uncomfortable. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm I'm bad at reading emotions. <laughs> why do you think I'm with? Why do you think I'm with Lorna? That girl's got no emotions. She's about as cold as a Mud Creek catfish. <laughs> They're in Waco, Texas. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh... Then he says, like Lorna's only with him to improve her image, which I don't understand <laughs> right, because he's, a, he's he's like by all he's accounts deadbeat. Yeah. a deadbeat. Yeah. Uh, I never thought of you as a deadbeat. She recounts a story about how he came to her party, her birthday party when they were six, and he tried to kiss her by the punch bowl. Yeah. She punched him. Oh, maybe I get turned on when a woman punches me. You ever think of that? <laughs> no, we hadn't. No, yeah. hadn't. Um, everybody just walks around talking to themselves. Instead of having like thoughts, inner thoughts, or just like, well, uh, yeah. I don't know, you can't even. Uh, Jimmy sees Amos's car and calls him a worthless grease ball. <laughs> Suddenly, the gingerbread man is behind the wheel of a car and he crushes Jimmy between, like, he crushes him between the side of the building and the car. Body count five. Lauren is pacing around with a rolling pin while Amos and Sarah are figuring out the generator. And talking about bullshit plot stuff to about the bakery, just, <laughs> just like, like filling time, filling just time. Truly, how much time can we burn? Oh yeah. Also, did you mention that the gingerbread man hits the accelerator with a rolling pin? Oh, I did. That's that a good touch. <laughs> yeah. At least he's doing something like gingerbread manish. Yeah. I guess. That's the most. That's maybe the most on brand thing he does the whole time. Um. So, yeah, she's talking about how she, like, might sell the bakery. This Killsbury Doughboy is just the last straw and a long line of reasons why they should sell. Um, anyway, there's no gas in the generator. The, Lorna comes back and the girls fight over Amos. Amos sees a trail of blood that leads to the walk-in. Uh, Lorna is like, no, don't open it, and leaves again. Uh, then they find Julia covered in frosting. Or it has got, like cherries on cher- her nips. Yeah, cherry nipples. <laughs> <laughs> but she's still alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the frosting luckily didn't kill her. Um, Lorna goes up front, sees her dead dad. He's like, you meant the world to me, daddy. And steals his <laughs> ring. I'll miss you, daddy. <laughs> yeah. It's Sarah's, a nice tender moment. It is a tender moment. I brought a tear to my eye. I mean, as the yeah. aforementioned loss of my father, really. Right. <laughs> you can relate. I can relate. Uh, Sarah's figured out that the ginger dead man's Millard Findelmeyer. It's the only thing that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Julia's shivering on the floor because uh, she's like defrosting. Amos and Sarah in this scene are standing like they're posing for a prom picture. <laughs> they're like having a conversation with like her back to his chest it's so weird mm. basically spooning uh and then they fucking talk about how she's taking nursing classes at the community college <laughs> and, and he's like why nurse yeah and she's like well i guess i want to help people and he's like why don't you be a doctor yeah <laughs> and she's like little old me a doctor and he's like a uh, pretty girl like you could do anything yeah <laughs> it's like the dumbest 
most pointless conversation. But also, I, I think it is kind of like how stupid people flirt with each other. Yeah, it's probably true. Yeah. Uh, and she can't take that. She can't take it anymore. And she kisses him right in front of Julia's shivering body. <laughs> They're cherry nipples. <laughs> Uh, Lorna's just walking around the front of the bakery and the ginger dead man's there. How about a facial? Uh, I guess he wants to, to finish on her face or something. That's what I thought. So I thought he was going to do, but then he just slashes her in the face instead. And, And this is one of many, I would say the majority of the scenes with the ginger dead man where he's not actually in a shot with her. They just do shot reverse shot. And it's like her reacting to something and then the ginger dead man slashing at the camera and then yeah. cut back to her. And she's like, oh, my face is cut. There's no interaction between him and any of the actors no. in 90% of the scenes that he's in. <laughs> it's like like when how actors like in Star Wars have to like act at a tennis ball on a string. <laughs> Only it's the ginger dead man. And he could be there. Yeah. Also, uh, the reason they do a tennis ball on the string is so that they could put them in the same shot together. Yeah, that's, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Um, she runs back to Sarah and Amos. Um, the the ginger dead man threatens the rat. Hey, little <laughs> shit, fuck off. I'm going to kick your little rat ass. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, there's no build up. There's no payoff. It's nope. just a scene of him shouting at the rat. So then Lauren is freaking out because her face was slashed and she she was Ms. Pretty Face of Waco. <laughs> she wants to leave. And they're like, no, we need to stay together for some reason. <laughs> and then Lorna walks right into a tripwire. <laughs> and a knife fucking hits her right in the forehead. Body counts five. Yeah, lodges in fully to the hilt in her forehead. Uh, The ginger dead man is also an expert trapper. Perhaps we don't know this. It is Millard Findelmeyer, a Vietnam veteran. Yeah, that's what I was going to (laughs) say. And then Amos is like, that fucker booby trapped every exit. Like, how the fuck does he know that? Uh, And then Sarah calls out to Millard. It's me you're after. Why don't you come kill me? The ginger dead man reveals himself. Her old man and her and brother were stupid back at that diner. They tried to stop me, but she didn't because she was afraid, just like now. You can't stay scared forever, Sarah. They find her mom's finger and wedding ring, and Sarah starts to freak out. Uh, the finger's pointing at the oven, so they just go to the walk-in oven. Yeah, he's, it's, isn't it Amos? He's like, the finger's pointing at something. Yeah, 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 like, exactly. Well, I mean, it's just a fucking finger. It's pointing at whatever. It would, it would always be pointing at something. Yeah, it's always pointing at something. <laughs> uh, and then her mom's slowly roasting in there. Amos pulls her out. The ginger dead man locks Sarah inside the walk-in oven. Say goodnight, cream puff. Now you know what it feels like to fry, bitch. No, because she's baking. Yeah, that's a good point. Didn't think about that. Um, Amos comes to, I guess he got knocked out. I don't know. Uh, he shoots the lock. Sarah's able to get out of there. She crawls to Amos. The ginger dead man has the gun. And suddenly, Brick's there in his wrestling gear. And he challenges the ginger dead man. Uh, the ginger dead man starts shooting many, many bullets. Yeah, it's a revolver. 
Yeah. And I think he fires 15 rounds would be my guess. <laughs> Without reloading. Uh, it is literally a six shooter. Um, uh, <laughs> Julia hits him with oh, a Oh, yeah. Fry. And he, he oh, never hits anything either. No, sorry. he doesn't. He's <laughs> a terrible <laughs> shot. Yeah. <laughs> well, he is a gingerbread cookie. So. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, Amos. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, no, no, no. Sorry. I missed. Uh, okay. Julia hits him with a frying pan. He calls her a whore. Of course. That's just like a, that's just like a classic, like Jack Frost, oh, yeah. Chucky, Freddy. Freddy like, yeah. So everybody's a bitch. Um, so Brick starts eating the ginger dead man. Yeah. He the, just like chomps on his shoulder. He's pinning him down to the ground and then he bites his head off. Yeah. Right. And it's like bloody. Like, yeah, it's, it's all not a cookie. Disgusting. It's, yeah, there's viscera and stuff. And then, like, if you if you were doing this, I'll give like give them the benefit of the doubt. Like, if you bit the ginger dead man's hand head off, what would you do then with the head? Spit it out. Yeah, I feel like that's logical. What does Brick do? He swallows it. Yeah, he chews and swallows it. <laughs> and then he says, "Got milk." Um. So then Brick chugs some milk. Uh, Julia's like, so now we know why. Now we know who's Mas Macho, huh? <laughs> More macho than who? You know, is, is all I ask. And then, uh oh, Brick's got a bellyache. <laughs> the mom wakes up. Brick's suddenly possessed. Yeah. I'm blown away by this development that there were deleterious side effects to. Swallowing the head of the gingerbread, the uh, ginger dead man. I know. I'm sorry, I yeah. know. Uh, I just didn't see it coming. Um, Amos, Julia, and Sarah, and the mom go out of the front door. They're gonna bring her to the hospital. Um, they're gonna bring the mom to the hospital, and then Sarah goes back inside to get Brick, and she says Brick like Brack. She pronounced it Brack. <laughs> Brack? Because right, everybody's doing uh, some version of, we'll just generously call it a Southern accent because yeah, they're all yeah. in Waco. Some of them are trying more than others. Almost none of them are getting Texas right. Uh, uh, Brick emerges from the shadows. He's got like a zombie face and a black mouth. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, I think. He does a pretty good Gary Busey impression when he talks. <laughs> um. He licks her face. Amos comes back to check on her. Amos and Brick have a showdown. Uh, Amos straight up shoots him to no yeah. effect. Like not- he knocks him backwards a little bit. He's a little yeah. off off balance. Yeah, doesn't kill him though. Sarah opens the walk-in oven, and then Brick stupidly walks in front of it, and they push him in and roast him. Body counts up to seven. Yeah. Uh, and I think they have a, they have a sad moment of reflection about how they uh, just killed Brick, yeah. <laughs> and Amos is like, "It's okay, it wasn't Brick anymore." And it's like, "Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah." So he's still dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, then uh, all of a sudden, business is booming at the bakery. Uh, yeah. Sarah is there with Amos. There are a bunch of nurses there, like thanking no them reason. for their general ge- their generous donation or something. Yeah, apparently they had some nurse costumes. <laughs> uh, then there are two little kids there. Got any gingerbread cookies? <laughs> Not if you're lucky, I don't. 
Actually, an older lady stopped by and dropped off some of these cute little rascals. She opens a box. They're full of gingerbread cookies. That don't look anything like the ginger dead man. No. Suddenly, their eyes pop open. They're just stick-on googly eyes. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And then we get 10 minutes of credits. And over, over like a fucking, montage, yeah, right? over it's a montage. Just a montage of shots from the movie, <laughs> over like in like an insane song. Oh, that's Ginger Dead Man, guys. Uh, how did I do? Let's see. Uh, Thirty nine, forty minutes. minutes. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, that's so part for the course, I guess. Yeah, we we didn't quite do half the time of the film, but that's uh, you know, yeah, I think it's fine. I think we. You know, as long as we have fun along the way. Yeah, it's all about the friends we made along the way. Yeah. Uh, Okay, here on Killstreak, we have a few things we like to go over after we finish recapping these movies. Uh, One of them is moments at age the worst. Ginger Dead Man now is 15 years old or 14 years old. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mike, what say you about things that maybe didn't age as well? Well, you know, I always like to point out uh technical issues like i said uh the video quality uh is very poor and shows the score is also terrible and mm-hmm. has aged terribly and feels very old um so yeah those would be my two notes i guess what about you uh amos's eyebrow ring would be mine <laughs> <laughs> yeah almost certainly not real yeah so uh, I guess like six, seven people die in this movie. Mm-hmm. Lot to choose from here, Mike. What would you say is your bet, your favorite death in Ginger um, Dead Man? I mean, the only one that I could say that I objectively enjoyed uh, is one of the very earliest. It's uh, I forget his lame ass name, but uh, Sarah's brother. Uh huh. <laughs> um, with his dumb. A uh, failed attempt to talk down Gary Busey and then getting stabbed multiple times with the terrible sound effects. I mean, he's very annoying. His hair is very stupid. It was satisfying to see him murdered and the dumb sound <laughs> effects were funny. So that's my answer. Jeremy is his name. Jeremy. Um, Looks like a gay porn star from 1995. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, it's going to be uh, Lorna's death where she... Walks into the tripwire and then gets a knife embedded in her forehead for her troubles. Yeah, yeah. It's shocking. It's funny. It's kind of goofy. It's funny, yeah. In a way that you wish more of this movie would be. Okay. Uh, oh, no. The Carpenter scale. We here on Killstreak <laughs> like to rate how scary these movies against the filmography of John uh-huh. Carpenter, the great yeah. John Carpenter. Yeah. Oh, boy. I mean, this isn't like, it's not even trying to be scary. No. no. Um, Starman? Yeah, I think so. It's not scary. It's not it scary. It is never scary. Yeah. Carpenter doesn't have anything with this tone exactly in any of his movies that I can think no. of. No. Uh, yeah, let's go with Starman. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, what's his dumb? What is his dumbest movie? Uh, uh the memoirs of an invisible man, maybe. Uh, I don't. I don't really remember it very well. Yeah, let's go with Starman because I think we're going to be stuck in this same uh, predicament multiple times this month. Yeah, so good, good call. Good call. We can roll out memoirs of an invisible man next week. <laughs> okay. 
And then finally, Mary, fuck, kill. I bet you're uh-huh. all on the edge of your seat wondering what we're going to say about this movie. Yeah. I'll kick it off. Cool. For me, 2005 or 6 is, I'm not really sure which. Uh, Ginger Dead Man says 5 on the IMDb page. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's a movie that I've been he- I've heard about for years now. Never sought it out exactly. Glad I watched it. Mm-hmm. Will I be ever throwing Ginger Dead Man on? Maybe, let's say, I have a couple of pops in me. It's a late at night. I get to sleep <laughs> in in the morning. Hey, let's watch. Throw mm-hmm. something on. Yeah. Am I going to throw on Ginger Dead Man? Fuck no. <laughs> I'll never no. watch this movie again. No. It's a kill. Um. Yeah. I mean, for me... So it's been a long time, and I don't even think I've seen the whole thing, but uh, I have seen part of Jack Frost, which was a movie that I assumed that Ginger Dead Man would be like a Jack Frost. Yeah. I assumed that it was going to be dumb, that it was going to be cheap, um, that it was going to be kind of goofy, occasionally entertaining. And, um, you know, it's, it was going to look like a motion picture that was like made on a low budget, but a film. Uh-huh. Um, and this movie failed to meet almost every one of those very <laughs> modest standards. I think that objectively, by any uh, like uh, by any objective metric which you would use to judge the quality of a film, this is the worst movie we've ever watched. Yeah. Um it is and barely a movie. It's barely a movie. Yeah, that's yeah. That says something. Because we covered Rave to the Grave. Yeah. But that no, also Rave has... to the Grave puts this movie to shame. Yeah, absolutely. Uh and it had boobs at least, even yeah. though they were uncomfortable boobs. But um yeah, the ginger dead man is absolutely a kill. Uh if if it it is it has sporadic moments when you can enjoy it for being good bad mm-hmm. but they are few and far between yeah gary Busey is is fun at times there are there is like literally you mentioned lorna's death there's like one death that's like oh this is funny and stupid like this movie fails to be stupid in a way that's entertaining yeah. for 90% of its runtime. It really uh, commits the cardinal sin of low-budget horror movies, which is, it's boring. It is really boring. It's really boring. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, guys. Cool. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then uh, I got a surprise segment for Mr. Mike Price. So you're going to want to hear always, that. Always get excited about these. Okay, we're back. Um so Mike doesn't know what is about to be sprung upon him. Mm-hmm. This movie, of course, stars the great, the great Gary Busey. Yeah, let's call him great. Uh, certainly been in some, he's been great in some movies. He's always a force that's welcome on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, Busey himself, a very strange man. Um, as Mike said earlier, he's erratic. He also has a tendency to... Uh, Make his own acronyms. What? Have you are you are you familiar with these? Uh, it sounds vaguely for, familiar, but I don't know any. No. So I have an example here. It's like failing. Okay. It stands for finding an important lesson, inviting needed growth. 
So like a motivational so, speaker, basically. Like a motivational speaker, and he does it with acronyms. Okay. Um, the, for words, you know. Okay. So I have a little segment here called Wet Hot Busey Hounds. <laughs> a name. Okay. Yeah. And you you are the Busey Hound here, and you're going to have to sniff out which is the the real Busey. Okay. And which is the smelly Busey <laughs> Nobody likes a smelly beast. No, nobody likes that. Um, okay. So first up, uh-huh. the the word that the acronym will be based off of is laugh. Okay. Laugh. Live anywhere under God's hug. Or doubt. Doubt. Debate on understanding bewildersome thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Which one is actually... Written by Busey, and which one was written by me? Oh, well, this is such a loaded question, because <laughs> I know, I mean, you're a talented writer. Doubt is m- much funnier. <laughs> um, what's the B stand for again? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll just say them both. Okay. Laugh. Live anywhere under God's hug. Or doubt. Debate. On understanding bewildersome thoughts. (laughs) I mean, okay. Uh, The first one doesn't make a lot of sense, which makes me almost feel like it's the right one. I'm going to go with doubt just because whether it's Busey or whether you wrote it, it's the winner. Uh, Ding, ding, ding. You are correct. (laughs) Doubt. That is a Buseyism. Bewildersome sounds like such a Gary Busey word. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now we have loss, love overcoming sad situations, or fear, false evidence appearing real. <laughs> um, is Busey a tr- like any kind of conspiracy theorist? I don't know. He's a religious man. Okay. I know that. Um. I don't I don't know that he's uh specifically like a QAnon or something. <laughs> he's not like a Randy Quaid. Uh okay, wait. Read fear for me one more time. False evidence appearing real. I got to go with fear. That's great. You are correct. Fear. Oh, all right. Wow. So 2 for 2. I almost feel like the the theme so far is that the Buseyisms are kind of solid <laughs> yeah <laughs> like they're crazy but also i'm like yeah that's that's not bad it's <laughs> not bad okay so next up chaos critical hate and under sorry critical hate and overwhelming stupidity or insane idiotic nonsense stopping actual new enterprises <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, I think that chaos. One more time. Chaos. Critical hate and overwhelming stupidity. I mean, that seems like more of a type with what the theme has been so far. That he's like, he's got this kind of worldview of like, everybody's being a dumbass and they have to stop being dumbasses. So I'm going to go with chaos. You're correct. Ooh. Wow, you have a nose for Busey. I am a bit of a Busey hound. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
faith, fantastic adventures in trusting him, or God, goodness on display. Fantastic adventures in trusting him, or goodness Mm -hmm. on display. I'm going to go with God. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, the streak is God was written by me. (laughs) Goodness on display. Uh, That's pretty good. Are you going to use that uh, in your own life? Yeah, (laughs) I will. Yeah. God, goodness on display. Uh, All right. And finally, we have talent taking all long shots, exploring new territory or relationship. Really exciting love affair turns into overwhelming nightmare. Sobriety hangs in peril. Oh my god. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I mean, similar to my reasoning on the first one, I gotta go with the relationship because whoever wrote that deserves the credit. <laughs> uh Gary Busey is a sober man, as far as I know. Uh, in recovery, so you are correct. Relationship, <laughs> really exciting love affair turns into overwhelming nightmare. Sobriety hangs in peril. Wow! Oh my god! <laughs> wow, you uh, you you did a really great job. Thank you. Sniffing out the false beauties. Um, um, maybe I just got to go back to the drawing board. I mean, I think you did a great job writing them. I just think that Busey, he's a singular character, and yeah. There's a real running theme through these Buseyisms, and damned if I'm not uh, finding them a bit persuasive. Yeah, it, it, the man is a—he's a wise man. <laughs> There's a reason he brings so much to his characters because his well runneth deep. Indeed. Um, and our wells wells runneth deep. <laughs> I guess mine's running a little shallow can, right now. <laughs> you could check out our wells. Uh, on Twitter at KillstreakPod. <laughs> Tortured. <laughs> or uh, Instagram also, yeah. KillstreakPod. KillstreakPod.com. Kill, mm-hmm. KillstreakPod at gmail.com if you want to email us. Leave us a voicemail on the Anchor website. Yeah, be like Josh. Yeah. And uh, we will definitely play it. Um, <laughs> Next week, we have... The much anticipated sequel, Ginger uh-huh. Dead Man Two. Does it have two in the name? Ginger Dead Man Two: The Passion of the Crust. All right. Um, is this a Christmas movie, Eric? That is not, as far as I can tell, a Christmas movie. So cool. Well, we really, we really, really did a good job here <laughs> programming this month. Oh, but it's fun to watch people fail, too, I think. So. Yeah, this is true. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So I can't wait. That one also runs about 72 minutes, and I'm very <laughs> curious to see how much of that is credits. Nice. Yeah, I but, I mean, I was saying to Eric during the break, if there's anything we can take solace in, it is the fact that considering how fucking bad this movie was, one of these sequels has to be better, right? Yeah, yeah, you'd think so. Well, tune in next week to find out. And as always, that's going to leave a mark. <laughs> Fuck. The most generic one. <laughs> it's fitting. <laughs>